Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. I appreciate all the things that Jack said today in the welcome and uh, just appreciate his ministry and how God's using him in so many different areas in this church, just like he wants to use you. And we pray that you'll find a place to serve, you'll be faithful in your giving, and all the great things that Jack said, I'm not going to repeat because he said it perfectly. I want to thank uh, Nick for his great job speaking last week. I was in actually the church that we had, I worked as a youth pastor, I was the pastor there for years. Uh, grew up in that church, spent almost 25 years of my life uh, as part of the Bridge Church, and I was invited to come back last weekend to speak, and I did some consulting for a church in Wilmington that has just gone through the ringer. Uh, man, just attacks, and I, I can't even begin to explain it to you, all the, all the darkness that, that, that was in this church, and God is just doing an amazing, miraculous healing work in this church called Emmanuel Church in Wilmington, Delaware. And I want to t- I'm telling you this for this reason, church. That's not me doing anything. That's God doing something. And that's part of the ministry of Warehouse Church, where we want to restore people's lives, but God's using us in part of our story uh, to help restore different churches. And I just want to thank you for that opportunity. I don't have another church I'm going to again until like April, so you're kind of stuck with me for a while. But uh, I just appreciate you so much and the way that you encouraged me through that. But I'm going to click my heels and tell you if I could do that with sneakers on. There is no place like home. And I'm really glad to be home today. And I um, have something I want to share with you. So if you have a Bible, I want you to open up to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 15. Nick read this verse last week. It was, his, it was the key text. It's also our key text today. 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everybody who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. And then the Bible says, do it with meekness and fear. So, you know, there are times that, man, you know how, like, when the worship is just on and you wake up and maybe you had just a good time with Jesus that day with your devotions and maybe there was some sin in your life that you can... I love that song that your goodness is running after me because I kind of need that because sometimes... I'm glad that God's goodness is coming after me because sometimes I feel like I'm running away from it, right? Like I'm not doing the right thing and God, I want to bless you. Get your, it's like I'm talking to my grandkids. You get back here right now because I want to bless you, right? I kind of feel like God has to do that with us sometimes because we're stubborn, we're sinful, we're not perfect, but thank God, God does, thank God that he doesn't expect perfection from us. He loves us so, so much and he gave his only son so that we can have a relationship with him. But he doesn't stop loving us when we do something bad, right? He doesn't stop. What he wants is he wants you to come and ask for forgiveness so he can restore you, so he can bless you, so he can use you, so that other people will come to know about him. And you can all speak of a time in your life, perhaps, and I hope that you can, when God's goodness was so, so evident, um, excited you, that you just wanted to tell people about Jesus, right? You thought thought about somebody you could invite to church, or you thought about somebody, man, I'm going to just talk to them about the Lord today, and God really put it on your heart to do that. There's different ways that people have done that. Some are kind of crazy ways. I was telling my son-in-laws last week when we were watching 
some awful stuff on TV, sports stuff, and uh, it was terrible. But um, I remember as a kid, some of you guys remember that. Remember the guy with the, with the rainbow afro that used to hold up the sign that said John 3.16, right? And you were like, oh, that's kind of cool. That come in. Millions of people are seeing that. But the rainbow afro, dude, it's kind of hurting the message a little bit. You know what I mean? You're kind of thinking that way a little bit. But then there was, uh, then there's uh, people, like, we, we say stuff on Facebook, right? Hey, come to Warehouse Church. Uh, I would encourage you, uh, whether you're watching it on Facebook, which we have a lot of people that do that every week, and even when you go home today, share it to your timeline. Share our service to people on your timeline so that everybody on your service will have the opportunity to hear about Jesus today, right? But there's also weird things that people say on Facebook about Jesus, right? They'll say, I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, and they'll say all these like really, really, really serious Christian type of stuff that unsaved people are like, why would I wash myself in blood and a lamb? That sounds cultish, right? Because they don't understand, and that's okay, right? But, and, and if you agree with this, say amen, and if you don't agree with this, then you don't need to be my friend on Facebook anymore. Eh, a little counterproductive there, if you'll let me say that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I saw the guy down the street from my house. I live off of 15th Street in Plano, close to 75, and I think it was Christmas week, this dude was holding up a sign. It was cold a couple days he was doing it. He was holding up a sign that said, let me tell you about Jesus. And I thought that was kind of cool. I don't know if anybody did that. Uh, we went to Hawaii a few years ago with our dear friends, and I remember that there was a guy that said, stop and talk to me. I am Jesus. You know, and he told everybody he was Jesus. I don't know. Maybe, I, I don't know what the deal with that was. But there's different ways. But here, here's the thing about Christianity, and you all know that this is true. Maybe before the Lord, you could, you could give a testimony to this, before you knew him as Savior. Or maybe even now, can I, can I say something to you this morning that I'm not going to get mad if you don't agree with, but I think many of you agree with you. Christians are kind of weird. Is that, is that okay to say that? Right? Now, I, I want you to think about this for a second. Um, we, we baptize people. I think we're doing a baptism in February. Uh, we are this year very intentionally going to make sure that we have communion once a month throughout the whole year. So let's say on a Sunday that somebody came in and we were having baptism and we had communion the same day, right? And maybe even baby dedication. Like we do some of the things that we do to celebrate families and this and that. And a first time guest came into our church and said, you know, and, and this is there because maybe they've never been a part of that. Maybe they've never been a part of any Christian service, any, any Bible church, any Catholic church, any church whatsoever at all. And they met some of their friends for lunch, and their friends said, hey, how, what'd you do today? Oh, I went to church. Well, what'd you do in church today? He said, well, they passed out snacks, but it was really, really small, right? It was like, like really, if you're going to give me a snack, make sure it's, you know, a little bit bigger than that. And man, it was awful, like the crackers, like stuck in my teeth, and who drinks grape juice anymore, right? That kind of a thing. And, 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 and maybe they know what communion is, maybe they don't. And then they said, and then the weirdest thing happened. Somebody got in the water and they held them underwater because they believed in Jesus. I don't want to get saved for that because it's just not something maybe that they're... Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not contradicting anything the Word of God says. I'm just giving you a perception of what unchurched, unsaved people may think about us sometimes, you know? And, and, and we speak that, that weird Christian language sometimes. You know what the world thinks about Christians? And I know you know this already. They think we're judgmental, right? Because we're better. Now, think about this. If you, had an, if you had a conversation with somebody that was a Muslim and you were talking about Jesus, you were going to be, there's going to be a point in the conversation 
where you're going to identify the fact that basically, because our flesh kicks in a little bit, I'm right and you're wrong, right? And sometimes that comes across very judgmental. Not that that's not true, because the truth of the matter is it's not about us being right, it's about us being right with God. Right? We're not trying to win an argument to ourselves so we can be right. Sometimes we do that. I think, I think Christians come across, and I think we can say this in the house of God, because all of us have a, have a struggle with this at one time or life or another. Sometimes we're hypocritical. Would you agree with that? We're a little bit hypocritical. Um, I, I, I've been a hypocrite in my life in many, many, many areas. My kids call me out on that. I remember when my kids were little. Before, remember before uh, when you put your seatbelt on before it would ding? Right? I didn't want to wear my seatbelt, but I made my kids wear their seatbelt. And Christina, who always, when she was a kid, always found out my faults, said, how come we have to wear a seatbelt and you don't have to wear a seatbelt, Dad? That doesn't seem fair. And my smart answer was, because I'm your father. Shut up, right? I mean, that's what, you know, you kind of want to talk back to me, you know. And I would say probably 90% of the reason I do wear a seatbelt is because I hate hearing the dinging when I'm driving. Maybe I'm a hypocrite for that. No, I wear my seatbelt. But I think that there's things in our lives where we say that we believe things about God and church and, and, and maybe sometimes we don't always live it. Is that fair to say? I think it, and I'm saying that inclusively about myself as well. I think Christians come across arrogant. Like I'm better, I know more. And I think we have to be careful of our tone when we talk about the things of God. I, here's something else that, that, that I've discovered this week. It's something I read that was, a, it was actually a secular article that I was reading online. And this author was talking about how Christians can be very non-inclusive. Now, inclusivity has been a big word in our, you know, in, in, in our culture in the past couple years. But when I say uh, non-inclusive, we, can, we really can give a message of us and them if we're not careful. Because the fact of the matter is, if we believe that Jesus Christ came and gave himself a ransom for all, then the doors of that church are open to everybody. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. No matter what you bring in with you, lifestyle choices, bad choices, garbage, drama, a past, you're coming into a place where everybody else has the same thing. But sometimes we can be a little bit, you know, us and them. And, and here's the other thing. We can be a little foolish sometimes. You know, I, I love the passage in the book of James where it talks about, hey, if somebody comes into your church and they look really poor and you make them sit in the bank because they're wearing stinky clothes, but somebody comes in really, really rich and your ushers come in and show them the best seat and give them a cup of coffee, you know those things. The Bible talks about the hypocrisy of that because God is not a respecter of persons. And we have to be careful to do the same thing as well. Uh, a few years ago, I read a really, really good book, and I would encourage you to read it if you're a reader. It's called Lifestyle Christianity, and um, it encouraged people to live out their Christianity in their workplace, their neighborhoods, in their families. It's a really, really great book to read about living out your faith in front of people, but I'm going to tell you something. It's a challenge, because I've discovered this about church. I don't know if, you, if, if you've discovered it as well. It's really easy to be a Christian in here. It's easy. Like, man, if you put your hands up in a song, whether whether Katie told you to or not, and you're worshiping, you're in a friendly place that'll do that. You're like, oh, that's cool. Like sometimes if I come in a little bit late because I'm saying hi to somebody and their hands are up in worship, and, and I, I shouldn't have done this, I, was, I, I corrected it, but their hands were up in worship, and I was like, hey, man, and I thought they were giving me a high five, and I, you know, and they're like, pastor, I, was, I said, I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to interrupt you, I was just trying to say hi and I love you and this and that. But, you know, it, it's interesting how 
super duper priority for so many people to be in the house of God on Sunday. But man, some of the things we talk about are not reflected Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I'm not saying that about anybody in this room. I'm just saying it's something we all need to be careful of. So I want you to think about this morning, somebody you may know or somebody you may meet soon. And and here's the thing. If God, uh, I I was talking to John, my friend John, the other day. We had lunch, not this week, but last week. And we were talking about a guy that he's been inviting to come to church, works at a phone store. And he said, Pastor, we got to get this guy. I don't know if he's going to come to church, but I know if we can get him out to lunch, we're going to hook him in. So we've been, taught, we've been strategizing about how we're going to do that. And, um, and, and hoping that God will bring us to a point, listen, of, of an intersection or a holy time that God has appointed for us to tell him about Jesus. Right? And, and last week, Nick talked a lot about how we are prepared to do that. Things that we can do to be prepared to do that. But, but he, knowing that we're saved, knowing what to say, knowing how to share it. And, and I want you to understand those things are extremely, extremely important. Uh, this year, in this, this message series that I'm talking about, is this word called ready. Are you ready? Are you ready to give an answer of the hope that lies within you with meekness and fear? Are you ready? Would you be ready if somebody came up to you and said, man, I'm just going through a terrible time in my life. Would you just pray for me? Would you be ready if somebody came up to you and said, man, I'm going through a terrible time. Man, I just need some help. Can you help me? Would you be ready if you saw somebody yearning and longing for something spiritual and something that was beyond, better than anything that this world could offer? Would you even be ready to ask them uh, to come to a church service? See, with ready being our theme for 2022, we want to be ready to grow in our faith. We want to be ready to do more in the church. We want, to do, we want to be ready to grow in our giving if God is leading us to do that. And we want to be ready when we're asked to step up. Because when somebody asks Jesus Christ like many of you in this room and hopefully everybody online this morning, uh, to come into their life and be their personal savior, they know him because something happens in their life. And this is really significant. And this is like next level deep stuff. You're going to get something deep today, okay? When somebody accepts Jesus Christ as as their personal savior, it's not because, let's say if it's a one-on-one situation, and you led that person to Christ. You took them to Romans chapter 3, verse number 23, where the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. You said to them, and because of the sin that you and I, and you were inclusive in that, you weren't saying, you're a sinner. That's not a good way to tell somebody about Jesus. We're sinners, right? And we deserve something for that because the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is what? Death. That's scary. And then, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then you take it in Romans chapter 10, verses 9, uh, all the way through even 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you, man, you could give this beautiful, beautiful, all the verses memorized, heartfelt uh, testimony of what Christ wants to do in somebody's life. Listen now, that person will not get saved apart from the Holy Spirit drawing them to God. The Holy Spirit is the one The Bible talks about how he illuminates, he helps us understand the word of God. And we can see the example of that in the Gospels where Jesus said, man, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I'm speaking. You can hear me. Wives, you understand this with your husbands, but y'all ain't listening, right? Like I'm, you know, you ever, you ever, do, you ever say something to one of your kids? You look at him in the face, you're like, hey, listen, da, 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 da. And they heard you, but they're like, huh? And, and, because they, they haven't comprehended what you said, Right? 
Well, when, when you're telling somebody about Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, which is such a beautiful picture of the part of the Trinity of God, he convicts us, he draws us to God. The ministry of the Holy Spirit of God, he convicts us of our sin. That's not so we feel bad all the time. You're a terrible sinner. Oh, that's not what God's doing. He's saying this, hey, you've done something. You need to make it right because I want to use you and bless you because my goodness is running after you like we sang in that song, right? So the Holy Spirit will convict you of that sin so that you'll ask for forgiveness, so that your heart is clean, so you can be used by God because God wants to bless you. The Holy Spirit helps us understand the word of God. So when we read it, and there's some stuff that's hard to read. Um, my wife and I are in a Bible reading program. We're doing a, we're doing a whole big read uh, together. And man, there's times where we're kind of scratching our heads saying, I don't understand why the Bible says that. Leviticus, Numbers, the beginning of Deuteronomy. Then you're like, oh, Joshua, it's got good again, right? Judges, man, that's just, that's hardcore. Ruth, wow, it's a beautiful, beautiful story, right? Uh, then you go, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, 1st, 2nd Kings, where it gets a little redundant, talks about the same thing all the time. Then you're scratching your head, where the Holy Spirit, listen, there's times, like I read a bunch this morning, and there's times that God will take a little bit. Like I was, I, I was reading this week, uh, earlier this week, about Samson. We're going to do a series called uh, Strong. I've, we're starting it next week. And there's a verse in there that kicked my tail almost out of my seat where it said the spirit had left Samson and I'm paraphrasing this and he didn't even realize it he didn't realize it we're man's gonna I'm psyched about study and I hope you'll be encouraged as, as we start the series next week called strong or getting strong and staying strong is what I actually call the series but here, here's the thing about the Holy Spirit Helps us understand when we sin so we can ask for forgiveness. Helps us understand the word of God. And the book of Ephesians tells us this. When you have a relationship with Jesus Christ because you've accepted him as Savior because God sent his son to save you and I, the Bible says that we are sealed unto the day of redemption. You know what that means? God's not going to take away from you what he gave you. There's security in that relationship in him. Beautiful, beautiful picture and, and truth about the Holy Spirit. So, so let, me, let me give you these a couple ideas I want you to think about today. As we think about right, going, being ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Well, what are people looking for? Right? If I'm ready, that's a great, great thing. But what are people looking for in you or in the truth of the Word of God so that they can understand Jesus? What kind of hope are people looking for today? Here's number one. This is a long sentence, but I, I, I hope you'll be encouraged by this. Vibrant, living, unshakable, blood-bought hope they will be drawn to an authentic Christian heart. Don't, can you or can you not tell when somebody's authentic? You know what I'm talking about? Um, my wife and I are in conversations about downsizing, right? Getting a smaller house, doing that kind of thing. And it was, it was a funny toss. We went out and looked at this neighborhood that's being built. And this guy was, man, he was a salesman, salesman. Tell you what I'm going to do, you know, and... If you do this, and we'll add this in, and we'll throw this in, and da-da-da-da-da, and da-da-da-da-da, and da-da-da-da-da, and, and he was saying all these grand, grandiose things, and, and I'm like about halfway through, I'm going, he's, he kinda, he's, he's selling some Jack and the Bean Beanstalk stuff right here, right? I kind of felt that a little bit. And then later in the conversation, I just kind of, well, do you live in this neighborhood? Oh, no. I, I live in this <laughs> neighborhood over here. You know, and it was kind of funny because it was almost like he was saying in a condescending tone, I would never live in this neighborhood. It's too small. These houses are small. And we bought it, you know, whatever. And what, I'm happy for you. Buy a 10,000 square foot house. Go for it, go. You know? But it was just kind of funny. The salesmanship until it was personal. And you know how he came across? Insincere. Yeah. 
right? People know whether or not you're authentic in your faith. How do they know we're authentic in their faith? By the way that we talk, right? By the way that we walk. Jesus said in Paul told us in Philippians chapter 2, let this lifestyle be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You remember last week, Nick read your verse, and the verse talked about how they recognized their faith. They were unlearned and ignorant men, but they recognized them that they had been with Jesus. Do people recognize that you have been with Jesus? Or that Jesus has changed your life? Or that you're a little different than anybody else? Or that you are authentic in your faith? Authentic in your faith? Listen to these verses, 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is what he says. This is what the Bible teaches us about, about faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of unseen things. And then he says this about faith. Without faith, if you don't have faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, here's the thing. If you are authentic in your faith, it's not, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I have a home in heaven forever, ever, ever. Awesome, I'm saved. Now, I can do what I want to do. No. Authentic faith says this. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. He saved me. He's redeemed me. I have purpose for today. And I'm going to draw people to him today by the way that I live, by the way that I talk, by the way that I act, by the way that I treat people, by the way that I am in my neighborhood, by the way that I drive, by the way that I do my business, right? Can we do, go a little deeper than that, right? don't want to hurt anybody, but it's truth about all of us. Our faith ought to be lived out in every single thing that we do if our faith is authentic. 2 Peter 1.16. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we were witnesses to that. Peter said, I'm not telling you a story that sounds really dramatic and cool. I'm telling you something that I saw. I'm telling you something that I am a witness to, that I could give testimony about. 1 Peter 5, 4 says, when, Christ, when, when the chief shepherd appears, that's Jesus, you're going to receive the clown of glory that doesn't, that doesn't uh, fade away. So in 1 Peter 5, 7, listen to this. An authentic relationship with Jesus Christ helps us to not only live this out in our own lives, but to teach other people this as well, to cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And I'm going to tell you something. People need to know that someone cares about them. Not only us, but we don't draw people to us. I want you to know I care about you. My job, when I, if I go visit somebody in the hospital, when we're allowed to do that again, if I give somebody a call, if I do that, I don't want to just... Go up to somebody and say, oh, you know, I, I met Dave in the lobby this morning. And I, I love Dave. Dave's such a great guy. Hey, how you doing, bud? Good to see you. And we were chatting a little bit. Not too much, but just a little bit. And if I say, am I trying to draw Dave to like Ed better? No. I'm, I'm authentic in my relationship with him. I've known Dave for seven, eight, maybe even ten years. But here's the point, church. The authenticity is we want to draw him to Jesus. We want to draw him to Jesus. So here's number two. Authentic Christian hope gives joyful fearlessness in the face of trouble and threats that humanity encounters. Let me read for you First Peter. This is kind of a funny story. My, my son-in-law, Johnny, gave me these sneakers that came with this towel. And if you want to, it says, it's not funny because of what it says, but it says Puerto Rico. 
because these, these shoes are kind of a, uh, they've got the Puerto Rican, I just like them. And I've been to Puerto Rico, so I can wear them, right? So it's no big deal. But the funny part of the towel is, is that Johnny's dad watches in Florida. So what's up, what's up, Mad Troll? That's Johnny's dad's name, Mad Troll. And um, he sent me for Christmas a box of handkerchiefs. He said, Pastor, I got to tell you something. The way that you sweat, it's very distracting on video. So I'm trying to blot myself so I'm not distracting anybody this morning, okay? Authentic Christian hope gives joyful fearlessness in the face of trouble and, and the threats that we encounter, right? 1 Peter 3, four, four, verse 14 and then 15. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed. And there's a weird thing in the Bible that talks about the blessing that comes from suffering, right? From a human standpoint, I don't want to suffer. I want to talk about the Christianity with the changed bodies in the streets of gold and living forever and ever and ever and ever, right? Jesus said, if you're a follower, they came after me, they're going to come after you. That the Bible said, and listen, we don't, people in the United States of America don't know what suffering is, is with their faith. We don't understand that. There are people all over the world that pillow their head at night that so don't even know if they're going to live the next day because they've proclaimed Jesus as their Savior. Did you know the fastest growing churches in the world are in a country where they receive the most persecution for it, and that's in China? I mean, they, they literally could die for their faith. If you, you can't carry a Bible around. You can't talk about Jesus. If you're found, you could be put in jail and even killed because you're, you're talking about the truth of Jesus over what they believe is in the government as being their God or who they believe in. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed. Don't be afraid of people's threats, nor be troubled. And then it says, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart always and be ready to give an answer or a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with, with meekness and fear. What do people fear today? I think people, there, there's a lot that we see people are afraid. Man, there's, there's I, I've never lived in a, in a period of time in my life in the past two years where there's been more fear. Fear of government stuff. Fear of this crazy sickness that's going around the world and it just, it's like it's making a lapse. Here we go again, here we go again, here we go again, right? My friend Anthony Milas, who's coming to speak for us for our couples night in February, our uh, date night. And I'm so excited about him and Christy speaking for us. They're going to be with us at church that Sunday. Pastor Anthony did five funerals this week in his church. All five families that, that have experienced death were because of the coronavirus, right? And we could talk all about that. And we, frankly, we get beat to death with those stats every single day. But, but here's the truth. There, there's, there's a reason we live in fear. But the fearless hope of God produces a life that overflows with good deeds that unbelievers will find, listen, church, irresistibly compelling. <clears throat> First Peter 2.20 says, For what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults? You take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer, you take it patiently. This is commendable before God. Listen to chapter 4 and verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as a faithful creator. Why? Because we want to influence people to become followers of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something, church. It's really, 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 really easy to tell other people about Jesus when we're living in extreme blessing. Man, God's so good. Got a great house, my car, my family. My kids are together. None of us are sick. Man, goodness of God just flows out of us. It's hard to talk about the goodness of God 
when you have a kid that's going through a hard time. It's hard to talk about the goodness of God when you have a family member that's really, really sick. It's hard to talk about the goodness of God if you get fired on a Friday, right? That, that, that's what I, and, and, and here's what Peter's saying. We're going to go through human suffering. It's going to happen in your life. But direct people, and they're going to see it in us. There's, there's a, and you, everybody in this room knows somebody like this that has gone through a hard time but has remained stable because of it because of their faith. Man, I remember that guy. They were going through such a hard time. And, man, God just did something great in their life, and they stayed faithful. I mentioned Dave. And Cheryl can yell at me after church. I know Dave went through a real hard time 10, 12, maybe even more than that years ago. But Dave stayed faithful. And people leaned on him even when he was going through a real hard time because the goodness of God still stayed on his lips, still stayed true to his life. And, and I, admire, I admire Dave for that and many people that have done that. So let me give you three goals. Three goals. This is in closing this morning. Three goals with the influence of our good deeds. Why? Why? Why do we want, why do we want to have influence with our good deeds? And here's some things I want you to think about. And we're going to have somebody come up here and play in just a second. Um, three goals with influence. Number one, we, we, we want to have influence to do this, to silence the ignorant, to silence ignorance. Um, there's a lot of things that are said about Jesus in the Bible and Christianity out there that just aren't true, right? You're, you're not promised. You're not promised that everything's going to be okay because you know Jesus as your Savior. That, that's ignorance, right? Ignorance says that um, if, if I do this, and it's, it's almost like we have this transactional relationship with God, if I give more, I'm going to get more. Now, the Bible says he's going to bless us, but they may not be blessings that we understand that, that are tangible. They may be blessings that are even beyond our comprehension at times. And we've got to be careful not to have this transactional relationship with God where we're doing good stuff so that he will allow us to live a really, really good life. He may allow you to go through some things to give him glory. Read through the book of Job. Like, man, Job. Oh, man, that dude was faithful. And Satan came after him for no reason except that he was faithful. But God got the honor and glory through all of that. And that's why God allows us to go through things to silent the ignorant. 1 Peter 2, 15, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. When we do good in spite of, of circumstances that we go through, when we, and, and we've all, you've all said this, you've all heard this, uh, people that have gone through some stuff, man, Let's go out and go drinking. I think you'd be justified for that. Or let's, let's just go crazy because you've been going through a hard time. And I don't think God would mind if you stepped out a little bit because you've been going through. No, 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 no. That's ignorance. See, we, what we do privately that nobody even understands. Because I know that there's some people going through some stuff in this room today. I know that there is. I know some folks in my family that are going through some stuff. I know some friends of mine that are going through some stuff. But just because we're going through some stuff doesn't mean we drop the cloak of faithfulness because that's what God's really going to use us to be a blessing to others that are watching us go through some of the crud that we go through. Our good deeds, our good works towards God, our faith will silent the ignorant. Here's number two. They'll sh it'll shame the slanderers. It'll shame the slanderers. 1 Peter 3.16 Having a good conscience that when they defame you as an evildoer, Defaming means they're, 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 not, they're, they're, they're blaming you for something that's not true. Those who revile your good conduct in Christ will be ashamed. 
Wouldn't it be great if somebody like accused you of being like a really, really great Christian this week? Man, they're just a gladiator for Jesus. Man, they're awesome. They're awesome. They're awesome. They're awesome. They're awesome. But it really does. It, it, it kind of helps people understand that there's more substance to us. There's more substance to us than our stuff. There's more substance to us than our job, than our accomplishments. The, the, the true inner part of our life, our character, our integrity, our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, it'll just silent all of the, all of the haters. And haters are going to do what, church? Hate, 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 right? Here's the third thing. We want the last goal that I want to give you this morning that will influence others because of our good deeds for this reason is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news of Jesus, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, the story that he came and gave his life, right? And there's this term that we use in the beginning of the year called we want our church and our lives as individuals to be gospel-centric, that means that the story of Jesus and what he's done in your life, how he's redeemed you, becomes like the, the Energizer Bunny battery in your life that keeps you going. I'm not, here to, I'm not here to make a name for myself. I'm not here to be rich and famous. I'm not here to do this. I'm, not, I'm here because Jesus wants to use me to have influence with the gospel. That's our purpose as believers. Now, all those other things aren't wrong, but the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, 33, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then these things will be added unto you, and that stuff is good, but you know what it is? It's stuff. It's just stuff. And what God wants to do in your life, he wants some substance in your life, not like layers and layers and layers and layers of what you may say is uh, stability. The stuff that he wants in your life is that you're a gospel-centric person, where that you do think of reasons to pray for others, where you do try to make sure that people in your life know about Jesus, not so you look better, so that they get saved. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Having... This is such a great verse. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles really were a group of people. There were Jews and Gentiles. But the application of this verse means having your conduct honorable among everybody in the world. Here's the reason we want our conduct to be honorable. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God. Because they're watching us. Man, they're watching us. You say you're a follower of Jesus, people are watching you. Listen, and I'm not just talking about your neighbor that's peeking through. Does anybody have a neighbor like peeks through the shades a little bit? Like when you're coming by and they lift their shades up a little bit, and you see those beady eyes coming out of there. <clears throat> We're kind of weird being from the Northeast. I don't know too many people here that do that. Maybe you do. But when it gets kind of nice out, like if it's like if it's like 55 at night, or for my wife, when it's 35 at night, we're throwing our windows open. I like fresh air. We're fresh air people, right? And not too many people do that. But we throw our windows open. And every once in a while, because our windows are open, we'll hear people get in at 11, at 12, really, really late at night. We'll have car doors closed. We'll have people coming out of their car and saying things and doing this and that. And it's funny because we'll kind of peek out. And we'll go, oh, yeah. And we'll know who it is. It's her again. She always gets in at 11.35. Her curfew for her parents must be midnight. And then she stays outside and talks on the phone for, for, for 20 minutes, walks in the house at 11.59, da-da-da-da-da. Why do we know that? Because we're looking out the window watching, right? People watched me. You know what I did on Christmas Day this year? I put it on Instagram, too. It was kind of funny. I mowed my lawn on Christmas Day just for principle. It was 82 degrees, and I told my wife, I want you to come outside, take a picture of me, 
mowing the grass, not because I look hot in shorts, but I want to send to my friends up in the Northeast, where it's 27 degrees today, what it's like to live like in Texas. People are watching us. Because I had a neighbor come up to me a week later. Hey, did you really need to cut your grass on Christmas? That was kind of weird. I'm like, I know, I know. Dude, I got issues because they're watching us, right? They're watching us. But when they watch you, are they, are they seeing you glorify God? You know? And like simple things, like if you're going into a store, maybe picking up a piece of trash that's on the ground, just doing something to be nice. Letting, letting somebody elderly go in front of you in the, in the store line. Helping somebody, helping somebody at the checkout counter at Walmart, the self-serve checkout counter, which is like, you need like a master's education to do sometimes. Hey man, I'll help you with that. Helping somebody get in their car. Why would we do that? To draw people to Jesus. Right, so here's, your, here's my challenge I'm gonna make for our church this week, for myself first of all, for all of us. Two things that people would see our good works, that people would see our good works that would directly bring glory to God, right? If you do something good, somebody notices it, give God the glory. Hey, that was really nice you let that person park there. Man, God's been so good to me. Man, God's been so gracious to me. Man, I, that was my kid. Wow, you're a really good parent. Listen, I've learned, and listen, I'm still learning, right? God the glory. We give God the glory. We got, and here's the second thing. We want people to see our good works, that we will give God the glory directly. But here's what we want. Pray that people will ask. Pray that your light is so brightly that somebody comes up to you and says, you're different than most people. Why are you so nice? How come you didn't yell back at that guy that was a jerk to you? How come you let that person pull out in front, pull out in front of you and you didn't honk your horn and act like a madman? Pray that people will ask. Pray that your faith... And good works will provoke people to ask about Jesus in your life this week. Let's pray together this morning. Would you do that with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. <clears throat> we thank you that we can learn, Lord, how we can glorify you with our lives. And, and Lord, we know we're so thankful. Man, we're so thankful that we can have a relationship with you. But I know it didn't end the day that we accepted Christ as Savior. That's the day that it began. And because of our relationship with Jesus, there ought to be some evidences of that. Evidences of the way we care for people. Evidences of the way that, that, that we live our lives. Evidences of the way that we're demonstrating patience. Evidence in the way that we forgive when it seems impossible to forgive. That we do that, not, not for ourselves, not for anything else, but to give honor and glory to Jesus Christ. So that our good works would provoke someone to want to know Him. Let me ask you a question this morning while you look inside your hearts. Do you know of anybody that would look at the way that you live in your private moments that it would draw them to Jesus? I'm not saying that to beat you up. I'm saying that to encourage you to take some steps towards doing that this week. We think just because there's a lot of churches in Dallas, Texas, and Plano, Texas, and Frisco, and Garland, and uh, wherever you may live today, there's a lot of people that don't know God and don't know Jesus. I'm not saying that judgmental. But you know it's true. You see it every single day. Are people drawn to you? Are people drawn to you? We'll use that in the right way. Be gospel-centric so you can point them to Jesus. Today, Father, we thank you. We honor you. We love you. We thank you for your patience, for your grace, for your mercy.
for the precious gift you gave us in your son, Lord, our Lord Jesus, that you sent him to this earth to die, so to pay for every bad thing that I did wrong, for every bad thing that everybody in the world has ever done wrong, so that we could be restored to you and have a relationship with you. And God, you've given us such an amazing gift in, 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 the, in the life of your son. I pray that all of us today will reflect upon that gift this morning and find ways to be thankful to you, to demonstrate to you how much we love you by being a kind of Christian, by being one of your son or daughters that you would be proud of this week because we draw, we draw attention to you and not ourselves. Um, you, you may be watching, listening live. Thank you for being here. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd just like to pray for you. If you would just say, Pastor, I want people to see my good works this week. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some work. But I want people to see my good works this week. I want to be used by God to draw people to Jesus. Pray for me specifically that I would do that this week. If that's true about you, just lift your hand up in the air with me this morning. God bless you. Father, use us in ways that we're not even aware of. Walking in to a restaurant to have food. Going grocery shopping. Playing racquetball cutting our grass, cleaning up our yard, driving, sitting next to somebody at work, receiving a phone call. Help us in every way in our life that we could possibly imagine. Bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus this week and so that people would be drawn to you. Use us this week, Father. Help us to invite somebody to church for next week. Met some new families today that were invited to church that we're so, so thankful for. I pray all of us, Lord, be diligent about thinking about folks and waiting and looking for opportunities, Lord, that we can invite people to come out and hear about Jesus next week and hear our, and hear our message about Samson and how, how we could, how we, not only we can get strong, we could stay strong. And we'll look forward to that and look forward to what you're going to do in our lives this week. Bless any folks in our church that are going through sickness or sadness or depression or, or trials or, or, or even hurtful times. That you, that you would just breathe life into them. They would experience your presence today, your healing if necessary, your goodness, as we sang about early, that's running after us today, Lord. We acknowledge that and thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say it with me. Amen. Look